Today, we're going to be diving into the scriptures of Luke uh, from chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. So let me read that before Albert comes up. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that we will be for all pe- that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on, or, on, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the manger laying, Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary tre- treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, seen, and it had been t- glory for all. Sorry, let's go back. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is word of God. Why? That's the question I want to start with today. Why? Have you ever asked that in your life? I'm sure you have. If you're human, you've asked why. Now, there's more a, a specific reason why I want to ask why, and uh, it is because uh, Google, every year end, uh, they release their top 10 lists of searches during the year. And so in Canada, when it came to the top 10 list of why questions, uh, here are the results. I'm going to show them to you. And uh, I want you to start using your brain this morning. Uh, Try to find a theme that connects all these 10 why searches, okay? Try to find a theme. So first, why is Russia attacking Ukraine? That was number one. Number two, why is Rogers down? Remember that one? (laughs) Why is Ukraine not in NATO? Why is there a formula shortage? I hope none of us were uh, affected by that too harmfully. Why is gas so expensive right now? Why are truckers protesting? Why is there a Tylenol shortage? Why is cryptocurrency going down? And number 10, why did Liz Truss resign? So what do you think? Do you see some connecting theme? I'm sure there are multiple answers we could give, but I I believe one broadly connecting theme is leadership. Leadership. All these why questions have to do with some leader rising or falling, uh, succeeding or failing, and therefore these 
victories or failures, frustrations, they're domino effects of leadership. And so there's a saying that everything rises and falls on leadership. Today then, it's my prayer, and not just for today, maybe for this new year, um, that as we respond to the scripture that we're going to study in, in Luke 2, that there'd be some response, something in, along these lines. Lord, raise up faithful shepherds for your church. Now, this is not only relevant to the church, but it's very pragmatic for our culture, our society, because where do we get some sense of newness? It, it, in part, a sense of hope and newness comes when there's good leadership, right? And so certainly just broadly for, and that's why many Sundays we do pray for our, the leader, our polit politicians and leaders of our society and culture and so forth, uh, a lot of newness and hope. And so there's the connection to a New Year's message. Uh, if you're looking for some newness or hope, I think it's often connected to the quality of leadership in our lives and beginning with ourselves as we're leaders. But now specifically, it's no different in our families and in our spiritual family, the church. Faithful leadership is important for the fulfilling of Christ's mission on earth. And I do believe that Luke is teaching us something about God's leaders in his church through this Christmas scene of first the single angel coming to announce the birth of Jesus to these shepherds, and then the angelic host in a chorus, glory to God in the highest. Uh, and so we'll get deeper into it in the sermon, but generally God's leaders are shepherds. That's how God refers to his leaders, one important way that he refers to his leaders. And so the, the question that I want to ask um, big picture today is, what does Christmas teach us about shepherds, about God's leaders? And therefore, how, how can we pray more for leaders in the church? Uh, and I think there are um, around three, at least three things that I think Luke wants us to see with him. And first is to see God's heart for shepherds. Uh, second, God's mission for his shepherds. And then our heart for his shepherds, okay, for his leaders. So first, God's heart for his shepherds. This Christmas scene, it teaches us about God's heart for his shepherds, for his leaders. So we begin to look at the passage. We see in verse 8, and in the same region... Uh, where Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So let's put God's heart, and now let's be clear, first, literal shepherds. These We shouldn't jump too quickly to just trying to find something symbolic. Um, there's something concrete and literal going on here. These were real shepherds with real sheep, with real mammals. But let's put God's heart for these shepherds into perspective. There's a very short list of people that God announced the birth of Jesus to. Zachariah and Elizabeth were given a heads up. Mary and Joseph, the wise men, and then by domino effect, King Herod and his council, they knew about Jesus' birth. And then that's it. Then from there, God adds the shepherds. It's a very short list. In God's perfect counsel and wisdom, why do you think 
he chooses out of all the people and sectors and clubs and little groups in, in the city that day, that culture, why does he choose the shepherds? Why does he choose to announce the good news of Christmas and Jesus' birth specifically and the gospel generally at large to the shepherds? Now, I do believe there's a literal reason and there's a symbolic reason, a spiritual meaning reason. First, the literal reason. What we need to appreciate about shepherds is that, ironically, their vocation had an, an, an innate tension built into it. On one hand, uh, very honorably and positively, shepherds, they cared for sheep. Uh, they protected them from predators and danger. And they provided leadership to greener pastures so that these sheep could be well-fed. And we see here all the more that they're keeping watch over their flock by night. Meaning, God announces against the contrasting backdrop of night. Night is a dangerous time. Night is a vulnerable time where predators and thieves prowl. And so these shepherds' faithfulness, it's tested against the tiredness of their body, their mind, I'm sure there was a shift and a rotation going on. Who's going to work the graveyard shift or maybe a few hours of the graveyard shift. And there's the temptation, therefore, to turn off alertness, to turn off alertness, to check out bodily and mentally and just sleep. But here are faithful shepherds, literal shepherds, trying to tend to the sheep, protect them. Now, on the other hand, that's the positive side of shepherds. On the other hand, the nature of shepherds' work made them spiritually unclean in the religious system that they lived in, in, in the Jewish system. In ancient Israel, to Jesus' time, these shepherds, they were generally considered unclean in the community of God's people. Probably another reason why, if you know the story of David, and we'll get to him, he first started as a shepherd, that his brothers shunned him as well, not just because he was the youngest, but because of his work. They were considered unclean in the community of God's people because of the work they did. It was just built into their occupation. They were in daily contact with dirty, smelly sheep, their manure, the sheep's manure, their blood, the sheep's blood from cuts and scrapes, the insects that buzzed around them. All of this meant, according to the law of Moses, that shepherds would have to continually go through purification rites in order to worship with God's people in the presence of God. That's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a tedious routine. And so they were generally treated as outsiders. And so first, I want you to appreciate with me, I think Luke wants us to see, first, literally, to appreciate God's heart demonstrating that he wants to redeem and cleanse the unclean. Literally, unclean people because of their work. And God's heart on the short list of who he announces this amazing news of his redemptive work in history. God intersecting history, this grand message, the saving message, and he chooses the shepherds. This is beautiful. This is special. This is precious. Can you see with me how much of a privilege and honor it is that God deliberately announces the good news of his son's birth to marginalized, 
outsider, unclean shepherds as part of his short list. God's heart toward the shepherds then is for certain now beginning to think of a spiritual meaning. It's, it's a foreshadow of Jesus's heart towards those unclean like the shepherds. During Jesus's lifetime, we know that he specialized to the ire of the religious established institution. He specialized in welcoming people who are disregarded as unclean, unwelcome outsiders. He healed lepers. He ate with prostitutes and tax collectors. And so God was showing what's to come. And so when Jesus was born, God showed that something new was happening in the coming of Christ. So let's pause there and just first to apply this to our hearts as one devotion, Christmas devotional asks, do you ever feel as if God won't have time for you? Or that you are not worthy of his attention? Does your guilt and shame stand as a barrier that keeps you from seeking him? So first, personally, I hope that even hearing this story and being it, hearing it unpacked and explained that God's grace will wash over you and that's how you can start the new year. Rejecting those lies, rejecting that untruth and knowing that God's heart for you is to come near to you. All of us are unclean spiritually before God. But also to overflow this, has that been our attitude towards outsiders people outside the church or people we have difficulty with in our lives, has that been your general attitude through 2022? As we look to a new year, a new day, I hope and pray that you can have this attitude because of how God has loved us, how he's treated the shepherds. Now I mentioned, and we started to unpack a bit of a more symbolic reason. I hope you see the literal reason God announces the birth of his son to the short list, which includes the shepherds. But now to unpack even more of a symbolic reason, God in his perfect counsel and will chooses to announce the good news of Christmas and Jesus to the shepherds. There's a symbolic reason. And it's expressed through his special mission for these shepherds. And we're going to see a literal mission that they have. I mean, in short, it's to go and see what has happened. And then God knew the domino effect would that they begin to share. They were maybe even the first evangelists to go and share what has happened. So literally that's going on. But even with these literal shepherds sharing this good news of Jesus' birth, there's a symbolic mission for God's symbolic spiritual shepherds. And so the, the second thing, what does Christmas teach us about God's shepherds and his plan? He has a mission. He has a specific mission for his shepherds. Now, we need to understand then, and I've been alluding to it, we need to understand who shepherds are symbolically in God's heart. Yes, there were literal shepherds who tended uh, mammal sheep, but in God's heart, as you read scripture from beginning to end, you'll know that God uses this picture of a shepherd to describe his spiritual leaders symbolically. There's a symbolic shepherd who plays a role in God's mission, meaning uh, they, they were servants of God, people of God, who are to care for God's people like shepherds care for their sheep. That's the simple understanding. 
but it's hard to live out. And so we need to understand that Luke is using these concrete, literal shepherds to communicate also a grander, high-level, redemptive historical, meaning God working through all of history to unfold his redemption and this narrative that God is unfolding. And so God's heart for shepherds, what we need to appreciate, first, it starts from his own heart, his own shepherding heart. I hope you have already begun to catch some of that as you try to see yourself as in the shoes of these shepherds, the sandals of these shepherds, and God reaching out to the unclean. God's heart for shepherds, his shepherds, it starts from his own shepherding heart. Even his mission for shepherds, it starts from his own missional heart in a shepherding fashion. So I want to first show you God's shepherding heart, if you haven't seen it already in this scene. And let's go back all the way to Genesis. And the Spirit is working in Jacob. This is Jacob speaking here, blessing his sons near the end of his life. And Jacob blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd. So beautiful. The Spirit is inspiring Jacob. And what picture does God give Jacob to understand who God is? A shepherd. Moving on to Psalm. Obviously, we have to quote David, the most famous description of God as shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Emphasis, my, my shepherd. Psalm 23. Another Psalm 28. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. The cry of the psalmist here is, to specifically want God to be the people of Israel's shepherd. Let's try to just kind of test our own hearts. When, when you think of God, when you, if the, the first name that comes to your mind of God or the first idea or characteristic of who he is, what's the first word or idea that comes to your mind? And if we're to follow in the footsteps of the psalmist and see them as sort of a benchmark of spiritual maturity, or to look to God in our hearts tenderly, even desperately at times. Please be my shepherd. Be our shepherd. Be the church's shepherd. And carry me. I want to be carried by you, God. Let's jump to Jeremiah. God is speaking through Jeremiah. And this is God speaking in the first person. I, the Lord, have not run away from being your shepherd. That's the kind of shepherd God is. He certainly will stay up through the night, through the nights of your life, like these faithful little shepherds staying alert and attentive and protective and on guard through the night. God, in our lives, through the night of our lives, he will not run away from you. He's not just a hired hand. And so Jesus, fast-forwarding to Jesus himself, Speaking in the Gospel of John, this is Jesus in the first person. I, Jesus, am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so I hope you'll be reminded today, if not seeing for the first time, your, the eyes of your heart opening up, to be reminded that God is your loving shepherd. But next, God makes it clear that he will raise up spiritual shepherds for his people. And it overflows from his heart, his shepherding heart, 
but he raises up assistant shepherds or under shepherds, if you will. And he has a mission for these spiritual under shepherds, assistant shepherds, to be faithful under shepherds who shepherd with God's heart for his people. Let's jump back to Numbers. And this is Moses, the Spirit inspiring Moses to pen these words. And so Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregations. And so see, it's the Lord. I want you to notice it's the Lord appointing this man. This under shepherd over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them and who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So God makes it clear here that he raises up his servants. And here specifically, a man over the congregation, that they're meant to be uh, human, human servants, leaders, who shepherd with a shepherd's heart like God, his shepherd's heart. We go on to see in Second Samuel, that way this developed in the life of Israel, it became a king. That shepherd became the king. In times past, when Saul was king over us, he was the first king of Israel, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, and so here in Second uh, Samuel, there's still the acknowledgement, the you who led us out is ultimately God, but he was shepherding his people through his servant, the king, and so the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people, Israel, speaking of the king, and you shall be prince over Israel. So here it's in the form of, of the king, but there's a servant who's supposed to have the shepherding heart of God. And then to make it crystal clear, in Psalm 78, we're taught that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. Literally, David understood the shepherding heart because he was a shepherd. From following the, the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. Israel, his inheritance. And here are qualities of David at his best when he was a spiritual leader for God's people. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. But what we need to also understand and painfully accept is that in the story of God's shepherds, there's also dark times, times of failure. And I want you to notice how God's spiritual shepherds failed God and failed to shepherd God's people faithfully. God especially indicts his shepherds, his, the ones that he was looking to to lead his people faithfully. And especially through Ezekiel, the prophet, he brings this out. And this is Ezekiel in chapter 34. And here's the indictment. So they, the people, God's people, were scattered because there was no shepherd. The shepherds who were supposed to be shepherds failed in their task. They neglected their task. And so the people of Israel became food for all the wild beasts. Here, obviously, God is speaking uh, poetically, metaphorically. But notice here, I want you just the emphasis, my sheep. God sees you, the church. And he wants everyone, for even friends who are still investigating, that he wants to see you 
as his, as his people, as his beloved. And even though he's trusting his pe- these people to his under-shepherds, in God's heart, they're still his people. So my sheep, God's people, were scattered. They, were, they wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep. And so a role of the shepherd, the spiritual leader, is that they're to continue to go and seek out and encourage people to follow God, to be his, to share about God and what it means to live under him and for him. And as God continues this uh, just very pointed indictment, continues to speak through Ezekiel, but the shepherds have fed themselves. And so here we see a, a period and a chapter in Israel's history where the shepherds became self-serving. Uh, we imagine there are probably even financial, you know, just uh, scandals going on and, and corruption and embezzlement and taking from the temple and so forth for their own good. And we still see that going on today. There are a lot of false shepherds who preach certain health, wealth, prosperity gospels and pastors are patting their own pockets and they have not fed God's sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I'm against the shepherds. And so God himself, what we need to see now, here's the hope. God himself begins to promise that he himself will become the shepherd again. There's that, you know, just tongue-in-cheek saying, if you want to get a job done right, you've got to do it yourself sometimes. I think it was very true in this sense with God. There came a point where he understood the shepherds I've set up, they're failing. And so see here through Ezekiel, this is the beautiful promise of God that he's come through on through Jesus. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, and he repeats it twice, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek. I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. God continues to belabor the point, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and they will bring them into their own land. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. This is a bright message and promise of hope from God that he himself will now again be the shepherd. He goes on to say, this is worth reading the, the whole section here. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. And so here's God also saying now personally, I'm, fighting this fight, taking up this cause of justice to also bring punishment to false shepherds. And so he goes on to elaborate through Ezekiel 
what this will look like. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes, and David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. If you're unfamiliar with some of Bible history and so forth, all you need to know is David has already died when Ezekiel is prophesying this. And so here we need to understand that God is not speaking of literal David, but God's promise to David that someone from his seed, that the Messiah, the Christ, the one who will actually save us from our sins is going to be a descendant of David. And so now fast forward. And the angel said to them, this is going back to Luke now, back to Luke. And the angel is announcing the birth. And what is the wording that the angel uses? The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. And so God is now threading and connecting all the dots of what he's been working out through history what we call redemptive history. And God is about to redeem and recommission Israel's failed spiritual shepherds. And it begins with Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd who himself And Luke's gospel also says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I'm certain that there was some of Ezekiel going on in Jesus' mind. That Ezekiel also, Jesus' study of Ezekiel informed Jesus and his mission. So let me make this very personal for all of us. This new year, if you want real new real hope. Keep seeking Jesus as your shepherd. As your personal shepherd. Don't be shy. Talk to him. Call out to him. Pray to him. He's the shepherd who will never leave you, especially through the night. I want you to see a specific point that this scene with the angel announcing and then the angels, the host of angels chorusing glory to God in the highest. It's a redemption of the shepherd, specifically the shepherd. That's why God symbolically, spiritually also announces to the shepherds because God is doing a new work of redeeming and recommissioning his shepherds. And so what God does now in his church And we know clearly through Paul's writings that God is now again in the business, the work, the ministry of raising up under shepherds, assistant shepherds. So now I want to end with our heart for God's shepherds. Our heart. What does Christmas teach us about shepherds? Not only God's heart, but God's mission. Here's the point. If you and I have experienced Jesus' shepherding heart for us, then we're meant to overflow his shepherding heart for others. Uh, Just staying in the spirit of Christmas, if you're familiar with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, uh, there's no such thing, there should be no such thing as a Christmas 
a Christian Scrooge. It's illogical from a Christian standpoint to be miserly, selfish. Those don't fit together. A selfish Christ follower. It's like oil and water. And so if we understand Jesus' shepherding heart for us, we're meant to overflow in a shepherding heart for others. Now when we think of God's shepherds in the church, it's natural to think of pastors. And Paul says clearly, he uses them as synonyms, pastors and shepherds and teachers. There is that specific role. There is that specific weighty call, an office, if you will, of a pastor, shepherd, an elder, an overseer. But there is, in a general sense, a calling on every Christ follower to grow in a shepherding heart, to nurture the Spirit-empowered ability to care for Christ's church. For example, parents, whether you have young children or grown adult children, certainly parents should be spiritually shepherding. Right? And so if you're hearing that, take that as a call. A call. If you've never taken that seriously, let, begin to take it seriously now that you're to be spiritually shepherding of your children and also your spouse and one another. Certainly friends can have a spiritually shepherding heart for one another. We should be caring and checking in on each other and how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Sharing scripture with one another. We need shepherds overseas. And so our church we do our best to encourage workers who committed their lives, even their families, to places where the gospel uh, has not been loudly and, and, and broadly announced yet. We need faithful shepherds, spiritual leaders overseas, hearts committed to reaching and discipling the unreached. And we need Christ followers in general to model a Christ-motivated, appropriate care and respect for one another in the church and then beyond as a witness. It can be part of your witness as well at work and how you care for colleagues, that you are different from how others treat one another at work, for example, especially if it's a toxic, maybe ultra-competitive, cutthroat environment. That can become a witness as well, overflowing Christ-shepherding heart even in those uh, situations. We can't lose sight of countering our culture as an important way to witness to the world about Jesus. And so that said, as we see this symbolic scene of God redeeming and recommissioning his spiritual shepherds expressly first through Jesus, he is the shepherd, that one shepherd to guide us all. We need to also understand that God is calling us the specific role of pastors to be his shepherds, but also for all of us to actualize, if you will, our full shepherding heart potential. And so I want to leave you with uh, prayers. Prayers for, and just to end very practically, as we see this good news of the angel announcing that now there is this one shepherd born in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He's the shepherd. 
But what we, I want to draw out from, from how the shepherds respond now is practical ways that you and I can live this out. After this announcement of the gospel from the angel to the shepherds, we see the angels went away from them into heaven. The angels went away. They went back into heaven. And so imagine the shepherds, literally, they've had this divine experience. It's real. Angels have appeared. The gospel has been announced. I mean, on that note, anytime the gospel is faithfully preached, that's a divine moment as well. What I want you to see practically is that a way we could pray is that pray that shepherds would stay connected to things above. Just imagine the shepherds, they, they probably naturally spoke a lot of what they witnessed, what they saw with their own eyes, the things of heaven. So pray that shepherds would stay connected to things above. And the shepherds said to one another, it's a very practical application, pray that shepherds would encourage one another. And I want you to think on all the levels that I I tried to explain of, of shepherds, both first literally pastors, so pray for me, pray for your elders, pray for pastors in the Church of Christ, uh, universal, across the world, but also your shepherding heart. And we see here very practically that the shepherds, they continue to speak to one another. They And what we will see that let's go and see this. They encouraged each other. And so pray that perhaps even in your small groups, your new communities or whatever groups you're part of, that you would continue to encourage one another with this news of Christ. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What's a practical application there? As the shepherds, they went to see. They went to see it for themselves. Meaning there was a personal searching. There was a personal investigation. There was a personal study. And notice here, which the Lord has made known to us. In that simple phrase, there's a profoundly theological statement. The shepherds are trusting that this was actually God. That God revealed these words. So how can we pray for shepherds today? From pastors to you growing in your shepherding heart? Pray that you continue to trust God's word. Pray that you continue to trust that these words are the very revealed words of God. Especially in this time where it's so tempting because of just the pressures of our cultures, morals, and so forth to just ignore certain parts of Scripture. But to take all of Scripture and to trust that this is God's Word. And in verse 16 it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. I want you to see and appreciate that they went with haste. They didn't hum and haw. They didn't say, was that real? Was that? They, they got up and ran. And so there's supposed to be a continued wonder. So pray for your spiritual leaders, for your pastors, for overseas workers, for your own shepherding heart, that you'd never lose the wonder. That, that you would take God's grace that's working in you and spend your time with God daily, 
weekly in his word and just ask the spirit to keep opening up the eyes of your heart to see new things and to have that sense of haste, that excitement, that excitedness. Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What does that mean? Basically, they repeated the good news. What the angel shared was the gospel. The angel says, this is the good news for great joy for all people. And they repeated this message. They repeated what had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so we're to tell this story again and again and again. We're we're to keep just chewing on this gospel message and figure out how it applies to our lives. And so I I hope and pray to end where we began that this would be a prayer for you that is a part of your regular conversation with God. Lord, raise up faithful shepherds for your church. Why? Because this is God's heart. He redeems and recommissions his shepherds by sending that one true shepherd, Jesus. And if we're to live out the true spirit of of Christmas and find true hope as the church continues to grow in health and in the gospel, not literal health, I mean a healthy, mature, spiritual church, don't want to be misunderstood there, then we need faithful shepherds from faithful pastors to all people in the church just growing, maximizing your shepherding heart for one another and continuing in this. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we look to a new year, Lord, uh, the world in trying to make sense of its own why questions and trying to find some peace in their frustrations. Um, Yeah, we naturally look to our leaders and we very easily find what they could be doing better. Lord, just goodness, it, it, it truly does often rise and fall on leadership. Lord, we thank you in light of that, that we have the truest hope of a faithful, good leader. That it's you yourself. Lord, I just want to say as a pastor, um, forgive. Forgive your church through all history where your leaders have failed. Or through various times in history where you were looking to people to be faithful spiritual leaders of your church and and where we fail. Lord, that said, thank you that our hope is not in fallen fellow human beings, but our hope is in the one true shepherd, Jesus. And we thank you that in your great mercy, uh, through him, beginning with him, you are redeeming your shepherds and you're recommissioning them to be your under-shepherds, to be your servants. So Lord, we pray 
I, I, I pray this for myself. I need your help, God. And I pray for all other pastors in your church across the world. Pray for elders who are to be overseers and able to teach and to be shepherds of your congregation. That you would help us as we abide in Christ. Um, as we stay in your word and, and as we stay in that first love, the love that you've loved us with in Christ, that you would help us to faith, just uh, faithfully shepherd. But Lord, we pray for every person in your church, that you grow all our ability to shepherd one another as well and to overflow how you have cared for us. We commit this new year to you in that way. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.